Journey Till podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Zanotti. I believe life is about the journey, not the destination. To find the journey in every step of the road, the highs and lows, the twists and turns, the ups and downs, it's in that. It's in those moments that really makes life so beautiful. Our guest today has a journey of their own. Jordan Norwood is a retired NFL wide receiver and Super Bowl 50 champion. Post-football, he started a photography business with his wife, Aaliyah. Please help me welcome them both, Jordan and Aaliyah Norwood to the show. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for having yeah, us, Sean. Thank you. I want to first start off with talking about um, COVID life. What was that like for you guys being under the confinements of COVID um, in the sense of, I know that you obviously, you work together, you're an entrepreneurs, your parents, some couples thrived well with COVID and some, it was a little rocky. What was it like for you guys at the start of COVID and just adjusting to, um, to COVID life? It's definitely an adjustment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there was definitely some some rocky moments there, trying to figure things out. I think the biggest adjustment for us. I mean, fortunately, we're we're self employed, like you said, and we kind of gig here and there with photography and videography. So that part didn't change a whole lot. Um, we did have to make some adjustments, but the biggest adjustment for us, I think, was having the having our kids at home. Our kids are five and four years old, so they're typically at preschool every day. Um, so having them home and they're not quite at the age where they can successfully do online learning. Uh, there's no sitting them in front of a computer for yeah. <laughs> for very long. So that was uh, that was probably the biggest adjustment and gave us the most uh, headaches. <laughs> <laughs> so the headache was just was adjusting with the kids, not necessarily really adjusting with the relationship or re- adjusting the business. Or was it a, a little bit of, of all of that? I'd say it was a little bit of all of that. Yeah. We actually took them with us on a few photo shoots. That was interesting. Yeah. Used to be a lot easier when they would just sit in a stroller and now they like want to run around and require more attention. Yeah. Was the first time that you actually took your kids with you on shoots or engaged them in the business, did that happen in the midst of this COVID life? We started doing some porch, family portraits. Non-contact. Yeah, non-contact, social distanced um, yeah. portraits where families would just come out on there you know, front stoop or front porch or right in front of their front door. And we'd, we'd shoot, um, you know, a quick 15, 20 minute session of family portraits. And, you know, sometimes we just pulled up and <laughs> left our kids in the car with their iPad and a couple snacks and, um, you know, went for it. And they were, you know, screaming from the car and we just you know, had to kind of not ignore them, but, you know, work through it. Trust me, I get it. I'm a mom and I'm also an entrepreneur. So I, I, I get it. You don't understand the entrepreneur life until you walk that walk. So right. I'm, I'm asking the questions because I'm on the other end of walking the walk with you guys. So I understand completely. Um, oftentimes I feel like in the entrepreneur world, your kids, they grew up right. They grew up in there. They grew up in your business. They, they, they followed in your footsteps some way, some shape, you know, and how, because it's just, it becomes a lifestyle and um, you know, it's just what you have to do to make it work. I'm interested in hearing about what you're just talking about, that no contact photography component. So were you, I guess, if you can take us to the mindset, COVID happens in the, in the beginning, we're all thinking it's going to be two weeks and then two weeks turns into, I guess, a month. And then, you know, months later, and then here we are a year and a half later and we're, we're opening up, but who knows, you know, we don't know what's going to, the future holds. Did you think, okay, 
this is photography. How am I going to adjust my business to accommodate the times? And, and I'm assuming that's what happened. And they came up with this concept. Take us into that concept and then how it took off once you created the concept. Sure. Well, I think the most, the most direct adjustment um, or the way we felt the impact of COVID most immediately was we had uh, weddings canceled. Um, so we were supposed to shoot um, two or three weddings uh, in 2020 that uh, boom canceled just like that. And um, I mean, for anybody that um, has had a wedding or been to one, they probably know that those are, you know, the majority of a photographer's income would, would be from um, big events like that. So that kind of threw us into the space of, okay, how, how are we going to pivot from here? How can we, what could we do to replace that income? And I think Aaliyah, I think you might've seen somebody on Instagram or, or yeah, somewhere. Yeah, like you... a mommy's group that I'm in on okay. Facebook or something. Mm -hmm. I was looking for a front porch photo session. And I was like, hey, you know what? People don't want to leave their houses, mm -hmm. but they want to remember this time. Like, you know, they're home with their families. Yeah. Pull up in front of their house. We don't even have to like shake hands or go near them. They don't have to go near us. We'll all wear masks until they take them off for the pictures. And then we just knocked out 15 minutes of photos and got back in our car and left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it really worked out. And um, yeah, I guess I guess it was the mommy's group. Yep. The mommy's, the mommy's group was a hit. Hooked us up. <laughs> so as, as a result of that, has that become your, is that what you're still, is that the strategy? Is that your new business strategy at this point right now? Is that kind of what you've, you're focusing on at this moment with your photography business? Uh, we still, we still do a bit of it. Um, and kind of from those, from those sessions, we've, we've kind of, I mean, it, it, photography for us is a lot of word of mouth. We don't, we don't do any marketing. So from those sessions have come more uh, family sessions and high school mm -hmm. senior portraits mm -hmm. uh, and just kind of random offshoots of family portraits that you kind of get um, when you're building that relationship. Yeah, when you show that you can shoot, um, handle kids and, um, you know, direct adults, then you get, you know, all types of business headshots and everything else. So kind of open the door to a, a few more relationships. What advice can you give someone who may be watching or listening um, in the show right now? Um, what's some tips, maybe three tips you can provide uh, if you want to get started in the business, uh, photography business, what can you do to get started? What's the best way to get going and thrive? Use your friends and your family as subjects and offer your friends free shoots and put those pictures out there and they're going to start telling their friends and families and before you know it, you'll have a booked client. On the technical side of things, I would say don't go buy a brand new camera body and mm -hmm. um, and all these different lenses before you really know what, uh, not only what you're doing, but what you like to do. Um, because, you know, you might find out that you like to shoot portraits in a certain style that only really requires mm -hmm. one lens and one camera body, and that's all you need. Um, so I would say start with uh, gently used equipment and um, that's the way to go. That's, that's two. Less uh, is more. Less is more. Yeah, it kind of goes with yours, but also in like a setting standpoint, like you yeah. don't need to like go to this elaborate setting or, yeah. you know, just 
take some front porch photos. Right. Yeah. The subject yeah. is the subject. Yep. Yeah. In other words, you're saying just do it, just start, huh? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Did you know, I know for you, Jordan, you're a retired NFL player. Did you know that you, once you retired, you would be shifting over into photography? Was that a passion of yours? I guess it always was. Um, I studied graphic design in college, so I would always edit pictures for my college football teammates in high school, basketball teammates. I would make posters for people. Um, so I was always into th that creative space. Um, and then late there in my NFL career, my wife bought me a camera uh, and I kind of became um, like a, a third cameraman for the for the Denver Broncos. I would, uh, you know, take pictures of guys, um, you know, when everybody was in their suits for away games, trying to look sharp. I would take their pictures and uh, run on the plane and throw them on my computer and edit them and send them out to everybody um, really? before we took off so that they could post them on Instagram. You were the team photographer for your teammates while you were playing in the NFL, but just not officially. Very unofficially. <laughs> yeah. There several very great photographers that um, that were on staff with the Broncos and, and guys that inspired me. Gabe Christus is the photographer there now, and he's uh, gave me so many tips and tricks. And um, I was just, a, you know, another camera that was there. So. That is so cool, though. I mean, so clearly you already you had the passion. You already had the gift and the skill set, uh, clearly. So you were taking the photos, sending them to your teammates, and they would then take your po your photos and post them on Instagram and on social media. Yeah, quite a bit. That is so awesome. Are you still working with any of your former teammates now? Uh, yeah, we have a few um, a few teammates who have you know full full families that uh, we do quite a bit of work with on a regular basis and mostly mostly guys that are there in the Denver area. What was it like for you going from NFL, the football player, to then being retired? I do know for me as a, you know, my actual job as a publicist, my clients who, no matter if they're, if it's basketball or football or baseball, literally every client that I have that when they leave and they shift over, it is literally a transition that I watch them go through professionally, the mental component of what they have to deal with. When did you know, okay, I'm, I'm going to retire, it's time. And, when, and once you made that decision, what was it like for you in the transition of uh, mentally, of shifting from this NFL player to then retire? uh NFL player uh now entrepreneur it's a great it's a great question and uh, it was a an interesting transition um to the first part of your question I probably or we probably knew that I would retire um probably midway through uh, my last season here with the with the Broncos in 2016 um you know my, my contract was going to be up and uh, we had one kid and another one on the way so we were kind of you know, let's, let's wrap this up um, and, and get on with our life, which, which was fine. The transition from the NFL into kind of entrepreneurship and photography for me definitely took some humility. When you're in the NFL and playing in front of um, tens of thousands of people on a, on a regular basis and them kind of cheering you on to go from that to pulling up to a photo shoot um, for a 17 year old high school senior and you know getting out of the car and then you know looking at you like okay so you're actually going to take my pictures like we're actually paying you to to take my pictures uh for my high school senior portraits it's um there, there definitely has to be some 
kind of ice breaking in those first 15 minutes kind of to where they trust that I'm a professional, that I, um, that we're professionals, that I carry myself personally the same way as I did when I was, you know, playing professional football and that, you know, this is going to be a successful photo shoot because I know what I'm doing. We know what we're doing. Um, it's definitely been a, a, a journey. When you go on a shoot sometimes, do people ask you automatically, can I take, can I have your autograph? Can I take a picture with you? Is it, you know, is it kind of turned into fanfare when you're there to actually do a job? I would say that typically doesn't happen. Um, there's been many, several of photo shoots where the client doesn't know that I was a football player in, the, in a past life um, at all. There's been photo shoots where uh, and the majority of them are, are people that we know we knew or um, that do know me from football. So um, that might come up a little bit, but it's it's typically not a autograph situation. And you know, there's other situations where um, where people people think that Ali is the main photographer, and they they're kind of leaning leaning on her. Um, and she's she's also a photographer in our business, obviously. Um, but I usually lead lead our shoots, and so that takes another little bit of ice breaking. Like, oh wait, he's kind of talking more. Do you think that's because of the fact that they are associating you as an athlete? Sometimes, but not necessarily. Um, just the way we we operate our business, Aaliyah communicates with clients uh, more than I do. So I think it's only natural for that reason too that they're ready to communicate with her more than me because she's done, she's typically done most of the communication to that point mm -hmm. uh, anyways. But you do the directing once you guys get on set. Typically, yeah. Got it. Unless there's, unless there's babies, then. <laughs> okay, that's, that's, not, that's not your forte. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Hey, everybody has a, has a, um, an, a little part that's their best for them. So yeah. as long as you realize it, acknowledge it, then you can thrive. Right. <laughs> um, so switching gears I, a, a bit, when it, when you decided that you were going to be an entrepreneur um, and you then decided to then leave the NFL, retire, what was that process like for you, though? I guess I'm going back to that mentally mm -hmm. for what does did you was it just an easy shift were you just okay this is great or I mean I'm, I'm sure you know day in and day out this that's all you knew you know have known was was, was football so then to wake up and you're that's not your routine what was the what was that like for you and how long was that transitional process like for you before it became uh the new norm I think I'm still transitioning um okay I don't know when that will I mean, I've, I've played organized sports every year for 30 years up until three years ago. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if that took longer than a year or two to, to adjust out of. But uh, for me, I think the biggest, the biggest change was the, the structure. Um, and you, you might have some insight onto what the biggest change was for me, but um, yeah, not having the structure of, of be here at this time, do this for this long, and you'll get this result um, that I kind of have when I'm, you know, going to football practice or working out in the gym uh, to get a certain result. Um, it it kind of fr frustrated me at times, not not being able to um, have that structure. So mm, that's I'm interesting. Just a little more laid back. 
so he would come home, you know, and we wake up at 7.30 and we're like, you know, our one-year-old daughter, I think we'll have some breakfast and go to the playground and then see, you know, how she's doing and, you know, who knows what we'll do after that. And he's like, wait, there's no structure in your day? <laughs> no, none, really. Yeah. yeah that, was, that was an adjustment. Yeah. <laughs> and probably still an adjustment. That may, I didn't even think about that until you said that. That's such a good point. Probably for every athlete, you're uh, you're constantly in structure mode from the time you're a kid. Practice this time, training at this time. I mean, from the time you're six, seven years old, and then right as a creative, you're you just go with the flow, and if there is no structure. That probably is a very big. That's a huge transition because there's no middle ground. There's no gray area right. in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're fine. You're looking for it now. So what are you doing to on this, on the search for your gray area? Uh, what does that look like for you? I think for me in, in finding the gray area, um, well, for us, I think it's mostly on me. Um, I think our, the first wedding, uh, we shot photography together. I wanted Aaliyah to have, you know, six batteries in her pocket charged up, ready in case her battery, a, a backup, you know, memory card, a shot list attached to her hip that had every list of every photo that she's going to make sure she uh, she takes. And um, I've come I've calmed down from that. And, you know, I've learned to, um, you know, go, go with the flow. And, and you know, th- there's parts of that that are good, of course. Um, you know, I mean, it's good to be prepared, of course. Um, but there's a level of preparedness that that borders on, um, you know, being an annoying husband. So, so I try not to do that. Oh, that was such an amazing response. I, so really, you guys, you're, you're really in the process right now, as I'm asking you this question, you're in the process of really trying to find your balance. You're, 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 you're trying to figure it out. And COVID kind of threw another little wrench into the plan. Well, not the plan, but just the finding finding that comfort in the gray area, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're, we're, we're pretty comfortable at this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I hate to use sports analogies over and over, but being in a team sport, I'm always like, okay, you know, I have this role, you have this role, we don't both need to do the same role. Um, so like I said, Aaliyah does a lot of the communicating with clients, um, you know, setting up shoots and scheduling and that type of uh, type of thing. And then once we get to a shoot, we kind of know our roles and how to, you know, you know, play off one another. And, you know, they, they go really smoothly now. So, um, you know, I think we're, we're about there. Well, I think that's great. About there is great. I think that's, that's beautiful. I know that you have a health and wellness company that's called Magic. Tell us about that company. What separates your wellness company from other companies? Yeah, so we started Magic Wellness about two years ago. Started it mostly because I was using holistic wellness products, namely CBD products, towards the end of my NFL career there. And really, uh, the reason we started it was because we couldn't find products that were potent enough in CBD and had zero THC in them and had what the jar said was in the jar, in the jar, um, mm. if it was a topical product. It was, it was just a lot of... Um, you know, sketchy products out there in the CBD industry, and there still are. Um, there's still products that I know, didn't know people, that people say they've tried this mm-hmm. and they're like, it didn't work for me at all. And I'm like, well, 
how much CBD did it say is in there? So there's a whole kind of issue in the in the industry, I would say, just in terms of um, a lot of products not being potent enough just because they want to sprinkle a little bit of CBD in there and say that there's CBD so that they can sell it uh, because CBD was, you know, kind of in a year ago. I didn't know that. So you're saying there's a lot of products, CBD products that has a certain, it says there's a certain amount of CBD in there, but it's really not. Uh, yeah, either, either they're, it says a certain amount and there, there possibly isn't um, for a few different reasons or, um, or it says what there is actually in the product and it's just some, it's just not um, strong enough. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a negligible amount of CBD. Um, so to where one of our products has 3000 milligrams of CBD, mm. uh, I would say the typical product that I see on the shelf uh, that's a similar product has probably, yeah, 500 or 250 milligrams of CBD in it, in like one of those little one, uh, one fluid ounce uh, tincture bottles. So you just wouldn't feel the results from it? Typically 500 and you're saying yours would be 3000. Right. Wow. Okay. So your, your target, your target customer, are, is it usually athletes or what does your target uh, audience look like? Essentially? Um, well, I mean, on it, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, the kind of the symptoms that CBD and hemp and um, mm-hmm. other cannabinoids address are so ubiquitous. I mean, pain, inflammation, um, anxiety, um, being distracted, those type of things are so ubiquitous. I mean, who, who doesn't, you know, surf, suffer from, um, you know, one or two or all of those uh, symptoms. So the, the target um, initially was athletes. Um, obviously, that's how I kind of started using the, uh, some of the products. But we've kind of found as we've gone and, um, you know, marketed that, you know, it, it might be men and women over 65 that are using our products more than anybody else, uh, which is interesting in itself and awesome to be able to help people. Um, I know you guys are going on a long road trip this summer. Um, can you share about like what, what you're, where, what does that road trip look like? And I know you have, you know, two children. So, you know, what do the stops look like? What, it, what's, what are your family road trips consist of? And, you know, kind of take us into that, that world. We are in Minnesota right now visiting my family. We've been here for the whole month of June um, and we are heading to Maryland, not road tripping there, flying there for the week next week to visit Jordan's family. And then we are coming back to Minneapolis and driving to the West Coast. So we might need to check back in in a few weeks and let you know how that's well, going. <laughs> we, we do know, I'm sure the same thing came to mind in yes. terms of how our road trips go. and. <laughs> We, we need barf bags for our kids. Yes, our four-year-old tends to get car sick. So. Yeah, so that's... Okay, so you have a bar... I thought you were joking, but you're serious. So you have barf yeah. bags for, for your four-year-old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what else? One thing we've established. Okay. Um, <laughs> we also have a little 20-pound Labradoodle dog. Oh, so okay. she's awesome and just tags along and doesn't really need too much we're going to stop like every four or five hours. So we won't have like super long times that we're in the car. Um, going to kind of take our time getting to the West coast. Yeah. 
Is there a symbolism behind road trips for your family? Was there a reason why you guys do road trips as opposed to, you know, getting on the airplane and taking and, you know, flying in the summer? That's a good question. <laughs> um, no, I mean, we do, we do enjoy, enjoy the time together. Um, we're excited to see, you know, parts of the country that, um, you know, we'd rather not see from the airplane flying over them. We'll stop in Yellowstone National Park. We'll uh, go to Salt Lake City where we've never been. Um, you know, Big Sur, California is somewhere we're excited to drive through. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stops that we'll make that, um, you know, they, they wouldn't, be in a, wouldn't have been a part of the vacation at all uh, if we were flying, flying anywhere. And we have the time to yeah. do it. So. Yeah. Oh, I just love that answer. You're, especially your follow-up component. That was the icing on the cake. You said, <laughs> but we have the time. We have the right. time to do it. It's so beautiful. Exactly what you said too. You know, essentially you guys are making vacations out of the vacation because right. you're right. You get on an airplane, it's from point A to point B. You get on a, on a road, you're on a road trip. You guys are making your point A to Z. And you're, you're having all these stops in between, right. which is, that's beautiful. Even if it's some barf in the middle of there. How do you dive deep? To, you know, individually, um, separate from each other. What do you guys do to, to you know, one, to stay grounded and, and two, to just kind of um, flow in your own space so that you're able to give to each other fully and then give to your kids and to your clients and to the world as well? I think for me, well, for both of us, first of all, I mean, this is all this is all a faith journey for, for our family and for us and mm-hmm. uh, for our relationship. We um, we love Jesus and hopefully that shows in the way we interact with people and, um, and everything. So, um, so there's that, um, for me personally, I would say, I would say as of this calendar year, it's really been waking up early for me. I'm now like a five, 6 AM wake up and, um, and read and learn about something uh, maybe work out, hopefully work out, always work out. I always work out. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so, so for me, I need to get up early. I need to beat my kids awake really is if I don't wake up before my kids, then for me, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have any time to myself or, um, not even going to want to have any time to myself. So, um, so yeah, those between five and seven thirty AM are my, my kind of refuel hours. And, um, yeah, you can talk. I mean, we yeah, you can I talk mean, about our date nights. And... Yeah, um, definitely just being, you know, rooted in our faith is definitely number one and making sure that we're allowing each other to have that time, which I like to take my sleep yeah. in the morning. <laughs> um, but getting outside for me is rejuvenating and we definitely, you know, try to fit in a date night every week or every other week where we have time to like look each other in the eye and actually have a conversation where our kids aren't in the same room um it's helpful oh that's beautiful have you guys did you did the date night just start uh post i guess for I'm saying post COVID, but I know we're kind of still in the midst of it. Have you want to look at it, but did that happen in the, after that, or have you always done date night? Has that been something you guys have always done? Um, 
No, I think I we've think... always done it, but COVID kind of reinforced our need of it, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've we've always done it. And every once in a while we'll do family date nights too, where everybody will kind of, you know, put on an outfit and we'll go out to dinner to all together to a, a nicer restaurant maybe a restaurant where there aren't even many kids at all yeah and the kids know that date nights are really special for us so right. they like consider it a treat when they get to go on family date nights so yeah it's a special night for sure yeah oh I love that um that makes sense because you're teaching your kids what you guys are doing is you're showing your children that your love really that you guys come first and so that it's important for you guys to do that and they they realize that and respect that so that that's that's great so that they can follow that same trend um is there a, what advice can you give to someone who may be listening uh, another husband and wife team who may be out there and um not knowing how they can uh thrive or how how do they thrive during times together if they're um you know also working together and having all you know juggling husband, wife and parent. And even if it's not entrepreneur, but work and just all the different things that, that come along with that. Um, what, how would you advise, uh, what are, what are some things that someone can do, couples can do to thrive in the times? I would say it's, it would start with intentionality. Um, I don't think that, I mean, for us, date nights aren't going to happen just by happenstance. We're not going to fall into a, a babysitter that calls us up and is like, hey, I would you love to watch your kids night? tonight. <laughs> um, you know, so I think I think it starts with intentionality, intentionally um, working on yourself. So that might be intentionally for me, it's intentionally working, waking up early um, and then on each other. It's intentionally finding time to communicate with one another. Um, and intentionally setting certain examples for your kids. Um, and it, it might mean writing, writing goals down as a couple, as an individual. Um, that's not something that we've done, but um, some, some way to make sure that there's intention behind um, you know, your daily and weekly actions. I think also just being intentional about counting your blessings and like considering the time, whether it's all the time that you have together, like morning to night, if you're working together or if you have separate jobs and you know you don't see each other until you're cooking dinner for your kids and your husband comes home and it's crazy and then you don't have time together until 9 p.m. It's like whatever time you do have, just like being grateful for it and seeing the silver lining in everything and maybe being able to step back and see like the big picture of things and yeah, that kind of goes with the goals. Like, what are you working towards as a family and as a couple? So. Yeah. I would like to wrap up with a segment that I call tell and tell, which is a play on the word show and tell. What is something that you guys can tell us about uh, yourselves that has deeply impacted you um, that no one knows about a secret, if you will, that you can share with the audience? One thing that I do on, on a daily basis is um, write down prayers so um i i typically pray but I, I write them i write them out as i pray um so that i make sure that what well, mostly stems from me saying to someone i'll pray for you or um 
even saying to a situation, you know, pray for Miami, Florida, and making sure that I go and actually do that. It helps me if I if I write things down and um, write through my prayers. So for me, every morning, um, I pray and I write out my prayers so that I can go back and read it and, um, you know, kind of really meditate on on those things. Mm, for beautiful. me, it's, um, and I haven't been as faithful in this practice lately. It's easier when I'm walking my kids to school, but just um, like speaking truth into their lives, whether that's mm. like praying out loud with them while we're walking or, um, you know, talking about how beautiful of a day it's going to be or um, just talking really to them about mm the day and the week and our blessings and what we're grateful for and making sure that they're saying it out loud too brings me joy i'm crying now <laughs> i almost did <laughs> oh now you're gonna make me cry that was sweet <laughs> oh yeah that was that was amazing it's you know as a mom i guess that is your biggest joy is your children right and now uh, you speaking you you speaking those affirmations to your children they receive that so that that's amazing well if someone wants to follow you both on your journey how can they do that how can they follow you the what's the best way, way to reach you yeah right the easiest way is um our instagram uh mine is jordan orwood um and yours is Leah norwood right mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, pretty straightforward. We're, um, pretty open to communicating with people Absolutely. via Instagram comments and DMs and, and all that. So, well, you have, you will have me following along in your journey and seeing how, um, how your road trip is going. I would love to see the outcome of that. Perfect. I thank you guys thank you. for being on the show and being vulnerable and sharing your story with us. It's, it's really, really, really amazing. So thank you so much uh, for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us, Ron. Thank you both. Well, that is it for this episode of the Journey to Hope podcast. I'm going to leave you with words that my father so would so often say to me, and that's to be the best version of you that you can be. Until next time, folks, let that sizzle in your spirit.